everyone. It's been several record cold days here in Texas. I was out of power for a while and couldn't upload the podcast, but the power has come back on, so here we are. Welcome to Into the Light. I'm your host, Dulce Rivera, and in this series, we talk about mental health after hearing an anonymous story from a college student. In today's episode, we will talk about loneliness due to the coronavirus pandemic. We'll also hear a conversation with Dr. James Lida, who was the former Dean of Students and Head of Counseling and Psychological Services at my university, Minerva. In this episode, he will share some insight into why feeling lonely is a very normal response during these crazy times that we are living through. He will also share some words of wisdom for those who might be struggling with social distancing or feeling alone. Before we dive in, I just want to remind our audience that this series spans different facets of mental health, but it is not meant to be a substitute for counseling because, well, I'm just an undergraduate student and not a licensed therapist. If you think you would benefit from talking to a therapist, please don't hesitate to reach out. As a bonus at the end of this episode, I've listed various useful resources that can provide additional help and support. So let's get to the story. Trigger warning. The following story contains sensitive information regarding loneliness, depression, and COVID anxiety. If I can distill the essence of what I believe to be a well-lived life, adventure would be a big part of it. Since young, I found myself enthralled by the exotic and the foreign wanting to escape the comforts of safety to wander into the unknown. The world was teeming with color and diversity, like when Nemo first goes to school or when Judy first enters Zootopia. I enjoyed the short trips I would take with my family and would spend hours at airports watching and wondering the places, cultures, and people each airline represented. As a less well-off kid who only flew budget domestic airlines, I dreamt of the day where I could fly bigger international airlines and experience the lives of people all around the world. It was a purpose that seeped into all areas of my life. I studied harder, did my best in extracurriculars, and tried my hardest to be the kind of person who could get a full scholarship to an Ivy League school. Things didn't work out exactly according to plan, but looking back, they worked out even better. I traveled to the U.S. and Europe on a full scholarship while in high school and got accepted into Minerva. Minerva was a university straight out of my dreams, at least when it comes to experiencing different cultures since we travel every semester. I was excited to live and learn with my classmates from around the world in seven cities. There were so many moments in my first three years at Minerva where I simply felt like I belonged and that I could belong wherever in the world I was thrown, as long as I could find cool people. Finding interesting people was never a problem for me. I could confidently go alone to events that interested me and make friends. Even though I leaned into a few close friendships in my relationship while at Minerva, I felt confident that I would not get lonely or depressed, and that I would continue to meet new people, try out new experiences, and live life just as I had dreamt of as a little kid. However, coronavirus changed all of that. The world, once teeming with life and people, now seems empty. I no longer feel warmth and love while getting to know strangers. 
just distrust and uncertainty as we briefly pass by each other in public places. Before COVID, every stranger was a potential friend. I would find it fun to open up and exchange life stories and get close to people. Now, however, every stranger is a potential health threat. Social contact can be reinstated, and I have done that by getting close to my flatmates and going on walks with friends. But adventure, however, seems completely stripped out from my life. I am one to take risks, but I never want to put those I value at risk, so I avoid buses, trains, and planes. I have only really explored the places I can walk or cycle to. This was a sharp contrast to all the previous semesters when I traveled, where I saved up to go on trips outside my city and would do something adventurous at least once a month. As a result of my new COVID lifestyle, I just feel old and sad. I no longer jump out of bed, but just try to sleep a little more. I can't remember the last time I felt truly excited, truly alive. I feel low energy and just do not feel like doing anything all day. Deadlines are the only reason things get done, and even then, the quality of work does not match what I have done previously and what I am capable of doing. A close friend suggested I was depressed, but I feel uncomfortable with that label because, well, that's just not me. I am a happy-go-lucky person, and I am funny, and I want to do so much in my life. I'm just running on low batteries right now. Is this what depression is like? But digging in, I realize maybe I am indeed sad at how the world is changing. The kind of world I dreamt of as a kid with opportunity and universal kinship and unexpected adventures at every turn. Well, perhaps that world is gone. Perhaps the world will end up being cold, isolated, and suspicious. Perhaps I need to get used to monotony and comfort. Who knows? I wish I had a happy ending to this story. It certainly feels incomplete ending it like this. But that is what it is. Thank you for listening. This is Dulce speaking once more. And to the individual who shared this story, please know that it's okay to end your story like that. Not everything needs a happy ending. Sometimes just managing to express what you are experiencing at the moment is enough. These are challenging times we are living through, and there is not a set way of responding that is correct. So thank you for sharing your story and being open and honest about how you feel. Hearing this person's story reminds me of other anecdotes I've heard from my friends and classmates about how this pandemic has isolated us, especially since it has lasted so long and there is no definitive end in sight. I'm sure many of us have felt lonely at least once since the pandemic began. It has been challenging for everyone, but in terms of loneliness, it has especially impacted young people. A recent Active Mind survey of 2,086 college students found that 80% report experiencing loneliness and isolation. In contrast, in 2019, the American College Health Association found that around 67% of students reported feeling very lonely during the past year. 
these statistics are quite impactful because feeling isolated and lonely can often lead to larger problems like depression or anxiety. Moreover, research shows that loneliness can potentially increase mortality risk. So what can we do to feel less alone during this time? To help me answer this question, I invited Dr. James Lida to feature on this podcast. I'm Dr. James Lida. I'm a licensed psychologist. I've worked my entire career until recent, very recently in uh, university and college mental health, uh, working with a uh, diverse range of students from uh, undergraduates through graduate professional students. I was hired to help build the uh, mental health or counseling and psychological services at Minerva. After a few years in, in that role as the director of Counseling and Psychological Services, I was promoted to become Minerva's first ever dean of students. And I left Minerva in May of 2020 and moved on to a mental health startup called Two Chairs, which is based in San Francisco. I remember reading the story and thinking to myself, wow, I, I can resonate with so much of what this person is saying. And I think I'm probably not the only one, especially among students who's feeling like this. So I, I was just curious, how common would you say these feelings are given the situations that we're currently living through? I would say they're quite common. And it is, to I think, a large degree, and what's being dis- described there is a, a normal response to a, an abnormal situation. Mm. When all of the things that we're used to doing and ways of living and ways of being, which is inclusive of connecting with other people, being able to have certain routines, being able to access the world. And that gets extremely constrained or completely taken away. That has an effect on us. We are social animals as human beings. And so the impact of social distancing restricted in terms of both the frequency and types of means by which to engage with the world and other people has an effect on us, for sure, in addition to just the, the rote routine that's been created by COVID life. Hmm. Especially, you, you mentioned we're, we're social beings, and as such, we really are dependent on having these connections and socializing. So another question that I have is how do you maintain social bonds, even, you know, with constraints of lockdowns or being told to stay at home? How do you keep that up in a time like this? I think at some level for every everyone, and it starts with just the foundation of assessing assessing risk. What is your risk tolerance? What are the risks around you in terms of the particularly challenging part about COVID? And is that you, you may be willing to take certain risks or with, we interact with it and what you do day to day. And I think this is particularly the case for people who don't have dependents or children, or, but your actions have can have an impact on the people around you. And especially if you have a higher risk family members or people, you can't just think about your own risk. You have mm-hmm. to think about the risk that you pose to others. So, but I think you start there and that's, that's what everyone has to do. And then based on, on that, when you your risk tolerance and the, and the kind of who your social circle is or who you have access to depending on where you're located and whether or not if you can if you can form a bubble, you know, if you can have that that connection and then mm-hmm. you know be very honest with each other and, and be very clear about kind of what the boundaries are for 
for actually in-person, you know, interaction, whether that's in a physical space or whether that's meeting up outdoors to kind of lower the risk. That's something that I think is really important to do, but it requires trust and, and then making sure that you're being safe and careful, but also trusting that other people are then keeping up their end of the bargain. But short of that, those things are not available to you for whatever reason, whether you're not physically located near anyone who you would be potentially able to, to socially you know, interact with in a physical presence, then we have to adapt. What we have going for us is technology, which allows for connection mm-hmm. uh, and, and communication, at least through, through a screen or through a phone or either through text or, or messaging. Mm-hmm. So that is something. Is it the exact same or does it fulfill all of the needs in the same way as being physically in the same place as someone? No, but it certainly can be enough for a period of time. So mm-hmm. it is important to try to maintain that type of connection. For some, this is this may be easy. It may become more natural. For others, it's just missing the kind of being able to be with someone uh, or kind of the extra effort it may take to set up and arrange for those kind of connections, interactions may just feel daunting or just over time and that feel harder and harder to do, but it is so important to, to maintain. I think we also live in a world now where we don't necessarily always have like spontaneous meetups or just like, you don't just call someone randomly. <laughs> it's like, it's okay, true. We, have to, we have to schedule a time. It's like, hey, <laughs> you text someone first. Hey, can I call you now or at this time? And, then, <laughs> and you have to schedule it. And then there's like a calendar invite involved. That's not how the world was 20 years ago. Sure, maybe on a professional sense, but not, you know, interacting with friends or family. But that's kind of where we are now. But, you know, it is helpful to have those connections. And, you know, to the degree to which that can be built into the routine, the new routine caused by the COVID life can be really, really important. So getting creative with the ways in which you can, can interact with people online. The other thing is, you know, there's a lot, a lot of things that people can do in a virtual space or on, online that may be involved just like learning new things or interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. And that's a means by which to connect that was always there, but it right. become even more, more useful, like whether it's taking a class and this is maybe outside of like an academic standpoint, but certainly being in, being in school and, and connecting with people online can be meaningful as well. So it's something that just requires that, that extra effort, sometimes some, some planning and building it into, into mm-hmm. a routine and, and, and a level of acceptance that this is, this is what we have. So we have to make the most of what we do have. It's, it's also a time to think about whether prior to all the, the technological means by which we had to connect, people still communicated and they still connected. And so it can be just as useful to write a letter to someone and that can be even take on more meaning, not even just as a projection of, of technology or kind of alternative, but just as another means to connect. Thank you for, for all of that. It was so much to unpack there. It sounds mm-hmm. like routine is an especially important component to, to bring some sort of stability and, and sense of continuity throughout this time. And the other part I'm wondering about is I feel like there's a lot of advice about what you can do to feel less lonely, such as, you know, video calling friends or as you mentioned, taking classes or maybe playing games. But as as an individual, you know, how do you distill all of that information and how do you determine, okay, this is what I'm going to do and this is what works? 
yeah, I mean, it may require some trial and error, but I think ultimately this is where it's really helpful to under, to know, to know yourself. And certainly the pandemic has given people uh, an opportunity to really spend time with themselves and to know themselves better if they're able to reflect and look inward. But like anything, it's most, what's most important. And yes, it can be helpful and, and it's always meaningful to think about growth and learning and being a lifelong learner, et cetera, et cetera. But especially in times like this, knowing yourself and knowing what works for you and not necessarily even thinking about this as a time to think about total life change and really thinking about what what do I know works for me? You know, what are the two or three things that I need in my day, in my week that help me feel human? And making sure that you find ways to, to, to have, have that in your life. And at the same time, you know, accepting that it might not look exactly like it could if we had the freedom to do what, whatever we wanted to interact you know, with other people and get out and about. And so I think that that's, that's always an, an important starting point. What, what do you know works for you? And that might not be the same as someone else starting there because there's always the caveat of, you know, making sure what works for you is an unhealthy, you know, habit that, that's actually detrimental. So it's important to keep that in check. Yeah, I think all this time has, as you were mentioning, has provided us with a lot of opportunity to, to reflect on what is most important to us. And in some ways, it's just thinking about what are the little things, right, that I can do day to day that can help me feel human. And I, I love how you phrase that because it, it makes us remember that we're all in it together and that each one of us is handling this pandemic in, in one challenging way or another, but that ultimately we all want the same things. We all want to connect. We all want to to be happier and, and to not feel so lonely, I guess, during this time. Mm-hmm. And going back to to the story a little bit, this person was mentioning that perhaps some of the feelings that they were feeling at the moment could symbolize or represent depression. So mm-hmm. I was wondering, how can you tell the difference between, you know, perhaps just feeling blue versus actually being depressed? Yeah. So there is a difference between feeling depressed or having other symptoms or signs or just kind of experience that is depressive and having clinical depression. From a clinical standpoint, depression really is determined by a few different factors. The duration of time. One is experiencing certain depressive symptoms. It is the intensity of those symptoms and it is the impact of those symptoms on one's function. Those factors, as any kind of clinical diagnosis, really is an important element of kind of determining whether something is, is more of clinical depression, being down, feeling blue, having a depressed mood is a part of the human condition. Sadness, disappointment, those feelings there is a part of the normal range of human emotions, feeling the behavior that, that comes. It is important not to over-pathologize. It is a, to, to some degree, you know, like a normal response to a very abnormal situation that everyone is, is going through. But over a course of time, if those feelings or symptoms persist or worsen, if they have a significant impact on functioning beyond just the restrictions that are placed by COVID and the pandemic itself, then that can become more problematic and be more clinical depression. 
there are certainly other factors that can also be involved. Previous history, family history, things like that, that are, you know, are also factors. This is where educating oneself about depression, but also potentially seeking help or meeting with a professional to talk about these experience can be helpful. We have in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association, there's a diagnosis called an adjustment disorder. This kind of diagnosis could be applied or could be relevant for people who are going through a state of transition or change and having to adapt that can exist for people. And that may manifest itself in a more of depressed mood. That may also manifest itself in increased anxiety. Mm. It could be both. And this adjustment disorder really is time dependent. So it is a six-month time frame. That determines whether that might be going on, and it's not as severe as a, a clinical depression or major depressive disorder. And so that is something that I think a lot of people are kind of experiencing as they go through the adjustment, they're trying to adapt to life over the past year. Yeah. So it sounds like it's, it's very normal <laughs> to be, and I can't emphasize that enough, to feeling mm-hmm. these sort of things uh, as we're going through this really big transition point uh, in our lives, even though, as you mentioned, it's been going on for a while, it still is affecting us in in many ways. Mm. My final question that I had would be, what would be your advice for someone who is feeling similar to this individual? Yeah, I think one of the things that actually gave me a lot of hope, and I think it's a positive in that what you read, the person said, this isn't me, this is who I am, you know, and being very alive and fun. And, and I think that those aspects of that person's identity, many people's are still exist, and they can just feel a little less accessible because of the situation that we're all facing. So I think that reminder that it's you know, a response to not being able to, to, to live or manifest those things that make us who we are. And that's, it's the absence of that's the hard thing that has an effect on us. You know, in some ways, a lot of this can be summed up in speaking about grief and loss. Mm. Certainly at the, at the most challenging and, and difficult level, there's loss in terms of death at this pandemic on a massive scale. And that is, that is real. But there's also the loss and the kind of grieving of life as we knew it mm-hmm. and being able to have access to the full spectrum of who we are and all the things that we do, the ways in which we engage with other people, the ways in which that, that we just don't have, might not have access to at all or are very restrictive. And so I think that's an important thing to, to really remind ourselves. We haven't lost those parts of ourselves. We just don't have the same capacity or access to be able to really engage. But if there aren't alternatives that are good enough until we ride this thing out. Mm-hmm. There's always hope is what I'm hearing from what you just said and that we should hold on to those good aspects of ourselves and remind ourselves that there are things to forward to. Absolutely. Despite the challenges that we're going through right now, and despite these blue feelings that seem to, to be permeating through everybody, their life is, mm-hmm. is always worth living. Yeah, that with time, things will, will pass. I know that life during the pandemic has felt bleak and that many of us are feeling lonely, miss our friends, and yearn to have social connections with others. But what can we do within the limitations of social distancing? 
During the summer of 2020, Hope Lab, a social innovation lab dedicated to improving the mental health of young people, released the app called Nod. I highly recommend using it since the app features various prompts and ideas for students for building meaningful social connections. Another useful resource is an initiative called the Unlonely Project. This project raises awareness about the negative effects of loneliness and promotes creative arts approaches to reduce them. They host an annual film festival that features short films that inspire and enlighten viewers. To learn more about these resources, you can visit www.intothelightpodcast.com, where I provide links to all these resources. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to share it with the people you love. Reach out to your friends and tell them about the information you learned. Oftentimes, we don't know what experiences others are going through, and sharing this story or the contents of this episode could help someone. If you would like to learn more about loneliness and how it impacts college students, please go to our website www.intothelightpodcast.com where you can find the accompanying book. Each chapter is aligned with the episode number so you can read more about each topic discussed in the series. If you are inspired by the storyteller and would like to share a story of your own, you can also find the submission form on the website where you will be able to read all the stories as well. Thank you for tuning in this week and stay on the lookout for next week's episode. This was Into the Light with Dulce Rivera.